All right, we'll be in uh, Acts chapter 3 to start off with tonight. Acts chapter 3. We'll read the first eight verses, and then we'll jump over to an Old Testament book. Acts chapter 3. Who's going tomorrow to Lithgow? How many hands are going tomorrow? I got a few. All right. Maybe about 15, 20. Looking forward to that. Hope you dress warm. I think it's supposed to snow. So uh, that's better than rain, though. I'd rather have it snow than rain. And snow, at least you stay somewhat dry. But uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, Pastor and uh, his uh, vision and outlook for uh, the western part of this city. As you look over the Blue Mountains, Lithgow and Bathurst and those areas out there. And uh, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing in his heart and will do with his church in, in months and years to come. As we uh, expand our vision to see the gospel spread in the state. Here in Acts chapter 3, we'll get, uh, read the first three, uh, sorry, eight verses. And again, the theme of this conference is lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And so here in Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. What a great account this is. What a great account. The name of Jesus Christ, verse number six there, the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned multiple times here in the first part of Acts. The name of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're all about. Missions Conference is proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And what a great story here tonight for us. And we think about what's taking place in your mind's eye. If you open your mind, just kind of think about what's taking place. And when I read God's word, I like to kind of put myself in that place and put myself there. And uh, it's the ninth hour of the day, the afternoon, and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Busy time. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place where there's a lot of traffic. All right. It's not Sydney. All right. This is, this is, <laughs> this is at the gate of the temple. Very busy time. It's peak hour. And there's a lot of traffic, a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of noise, a lot of chatter. And things are happening here. And, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Every day, and the Bible says in chapter 4, he's about 40 years old. So every day for 40 years of his life, he was laid at the gates of the temple. And he asked for alms of them that entered into the temple. It was a religious duty of Jews to give alms to the poor to give alms to the lame. And so that was a great place for this fellow to hang out to receive some help physically. Verse number three, this is kind of what I'm trying I'm to try to tie in tonight. Now stay with me. It's a bit of a journey tonight. And uh, I think you understand by the end of the, uh, of the message that where I'm going. And the Bible says here in verse number three, who seeing Peter and John? So you had in your mind, you had this fellow sitting at the gate on, on the ground. Who seeing Peter and John? I understand this guy's been at it for 40 years. He's watching people. He knows who will give and who will not give to him? So as you think in your mind, you pretend to be the beggar, and you're, la- you're, you're lame on your feet. You've been carried there at the spot near the temple gate, and you're asking for alms. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor, and you're putting your hand out. 
and your eyes are scanning, look for somebody to give you something. And he's been doing this for a while. He's not a novice. He's a professional at this, and he's scanning the crowd, looking for somebody to hand him something. And, and uh, what I see here, who, that, this man saw Peter and John, and verse number four, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Now, why do you say that? You ever, if you're a parent tonight, or maybe, I remember when I was a kid, you ever a parent ever tell you, look, look at me? Look at me. There's something to lift your chin up. Look at me. And you're sitting here like this, you know, you know you're just, I've done this many times, you know, sitting here as a little kid, and I'm, you know, probably did something to my brothers and hit him or did something to him. I'm sitting here with my parents say, look at me. My dad puts my finger under my chin. He look, I'm looking at him. You see the, 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 you know, the stare of death, the stare of, you know, of judgment coming your way. And so we, we see what's happening here. This man, this beggar, is seeing the crowd, but he's not looking. He's not looking because Peter had to say he fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. Look on us. So this guy, is, he's seeing, but he's not looking. It's sometimes we hear, but we don't believe. Or we're stirred and not changed. Hear this fella, and th- this, can, this can come at a lot of different angles, a lot of different applications here. And I'll get to my application here in a moment. But a lot of times in life, we're, we're, we're seeing, but we're not looking. The Bible says here, to uh, the verse of the uh, conference, lift up your eyes and look on the fields to look at them. We see a lot of things going on, don't we? We see, but are we looking? Are we looking intentionally? Life is busy. It's crazy. Things are happening all the time. And life is a series of ups and downs, ebbs and flows. And sometimes we get so busy, we're, we're seeing things happening, but we're not looking. We're not looking. I'm thinking, why, why, why is it also often difficult to actually, we know what we need to do. We know the Great Commission. We know the gospel. We know our responsibility. We see it. We understand it, but we're not looking at it. We're not focusing on it. I believe, uh, this is 2018, every year that goes by, our society is getting more narcissistic. That simply means we're looking inward. I think the problem is we're, we're looking too much inward, not looking outward. We're too focused on our own needs, our own self. And I think sometimes we lose the looking part of evangelism. We know it's there. We know what's going on. We, we see things happening. We're not looking for it because our attention is inward. So what is the solution to self-centeredness, to narcissism? You know, it's all around us. You know, uh, look at selfies and selfie sticks and Facebook. I'm not against all that. That's fine. But it has to be a, a point in time where we, we're not living for that. It's not all about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and his honor, his glory. And it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ getting out. It's not about us. We need to, we need to get our attention, our focus, our looking, our eyesight, our seeing off of ourselves. We need to start looking. Start looking. You say, well, what's the solution? I think we'll find the solution in the problem. If you, what, you see, what do you mean by that? I said, if you would turn to me the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah, I think the solution to this is found in the problem. And we're going to examine the life of Jonah briefly tonight. If you would, Jonah chapter 1. And uh, who here has never heard the story of Jonah? Never heard it. All right, no hands. Perfect. We all know the story of Jonah. We understand. You probably, you know, learned that from a small child in Sunday school. 
And so we're not going to belabor that point. We, I'm going to assume that we all know the story of Jonah. And so we're going to look at a couple things here as we think about the solution to the problem of self-centeredness and think about what is going on, what, what, what's happening. Why, why are we, yes, we see, we, uh, we, we hear, we don't believe, we're not looking. We're not looking. Here in Jonah, and I'll make a statement here tonight, and uh, maybe a statement you're not familiar with, but I think uh, it will prove itself by the end of the message this evening. The statement is this, I believe the book of Jonah shows us that God is more concerned about the worker than he is the work. All right, that could be a very hefty statement, but I think you understand that more as we go through Jonah tonight. God is is more concerned about the worker than he is the work. This whole conference is about the work, and that's very important. We have to get that down. We know the responsibility, the job. The, uh, the big task we have ahead, as Pastor read all these stats tonight and seen the, the video and seen that piece of paper, there's a big job to do. It's massive. Sometimes your mind gets overwhelmed. How are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? And here in Jonah, we're going to take a look at his life here uh, for a few moments tonight, and I think we can learn some things and, and see exactly what's taking place. So understand Jonah's a missionary. He's a missionary. All right, and uh, we're going to consider Jonah tonight as a missionary candidate. All right, let's just all pretend for a moment we're all on the mission board. And uh, there's no mission boards in Australia, is there? No, there's not. It's more of an American thing. All right, so no, but we're going to form our first mission board tonight. How's that? All right. <laughs> all right, so we have a, we're on a mission board, and uh, we're here to uh, interview Jonah as a missionary and see where he's at. All right, first of all, I'm going to call to the witness stand, uh, the witness of his credentials. We're going to check out Jonah's credentials and see who this guy is. Who is he? All right, so first question for Jonah tonight is this. As we explore him and as we think about the, uh, the, the issue of, looking, of look, uh, us looking inward and not looking outward. Jonah here, we have a question for you tonight. Jonah, has God called you? Do you feel a call of God upon your life? And I think if he, here, if he were here tonight, he would say, yes, God, in fact, called me twice you got to have a calling of God upon your life to be a missionary. And Jonah here in chapter 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Call number 1. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. All right. Jonah would say, Yes, I am called of God. God called me twice in my life. All right, Jonah, you tick that box. Good. Question number two for you, Jonah. Are you correct in your theology? We got to make sure missionaries are correct in their theology. Is your theology biblical? I think he would say, if you're here tonight, you say, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, here, read uh, chapter, uh, chapter number two, verse nine. What does the Bible say there? As he's praying to the Lord from the fish's belly. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Perfect. All right. He knows that salvation is of the Lord. Only God can save a person. It's not through works, not through anything else. Salvation is of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse number 2. Uh, Jonah knows that uh, the second half of verse number 2 of chapter 4 
For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger of great kindness and repentance of the evil. So Jonah knows that salvation is, is of God. Not only that, that I know the God that I serve. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's a great kindness. He's pretty solid in his theology, would you say? I think he's pretty good. He's pretty good. All right, he passes that, so tick that box. All right, Jonah, question number three, do you pray? We can't have any non-praying missionaries on the mission field. We've got we to have somebody who can pray. And uh, I think he, uh, he would say with a whole heart, I said, yeah, I, I pray. I pray. And uh, I pray some strange places. <laughs> and I know God answers my prayer. All right, so uh, Jonah, he's a praying missionary. Uh, number four, Jonah, you've done some preaching before. Does your preaching bring results? What do you guys think? Does preaching bring results? I'd say so. Uh, you know, the whole city turned. The whole city of Nineveh turned and repented of their evil ways and their sin and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Man, a great, great preacher. Great preacher. He prays. He's correct in his theology. He's been called of God twice. Jonah, question number five for you as we have a mission board we're going to examine you tonight. Can you quote scripture? Do you believe in Bible memory? It's good for every Christian to quote, memory, to quote verses and, and, and be able to memorize Scripture. And, and so, Jonah, do you believe in Bible memory? And uh, I think he would say a resounding yes. He said uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 2 through verse 9. Uh, we're not going to read all that, but he actually quotes from, Psalm, from the Psalms. He quotes a whole segment of the Psalms. And uh, he was down in the fish's belly. I doubt he had a uh, copy of Scriptures down there with a little candle. All right, so he was actually praying to the Lord from his heart. And he memorized scripture. All right. And also in uh, chapter 4, again, verse number 2, he quotes from two experiences in Moses' life, back from the book of Exodus and Numbers. And so he was well-versed in the Psalms, in the law, in the prophets. He memorized scripture. He could quote scripture. All right, Jonah, you passed that question. Question 6. Do you have courage? You know what, Jonah, it's going to take some courage in the mission field. It's going to take some boldness. It's going to take some, you know, fortitude. Do you have courage? You guys think he has courage? He was tossed over, over, over the boat in the sea in the raging storm back in chapter 1. We don't have time to belabor this, but I think he has courage. Do you think? I think he does. Look, at his credentials are wonderful. He, he, God's called him twice. He's correct in his theology. He prays. He's done some preaching. Preaching brings results. He can quote scripture, and he has courage. He's a great missionary. So far, he's adding up to be pretty good. All right, number two is this. That's called the witness stand, the witness of his companions, of his companions. Let's see what his, some of his friends say. We have examples in every chapter. Chapter one are the sailors, the sailors there on the boats. All right, and... Uh, if we were to call the sailors to the witness stand tonight, what would they say about Jonah? Guys, what do you know about Jonah's man, Jonah? What do you know about him? Let's read a few verses here. Verse number 5 of chapter 1. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said to everyone to his fellow, come and let's cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto, unto him, 
All right, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause evil is upon us. What is thy occupation? Where comest thou? What is thy country and what people are thou? Jonah, who are you? Who are you? I don't understand this. You know what? You're a troublemaker. You're sleeping. There's some work to do on the ship. And you're sleeping. How can you do that? I don't think the sailors and the mariners have anything good to say about Jonah. Do you? I don't think they would. He's a bit of a troublemaker. This guy was on our ship. A lot, lot fell upon him. It's because of him we're in this predicament, this storm. Let's get rid of the guy. That's called to witness stand the great fish in chapter 2. That's chapter 1, chapter 2, the great fish. And hang in there. I'm going somewhere with all this. Chapter 2 is the great fish. All right. What would the great fish say about Jonah? What would he say about him? If fish and great whales could talk. We asked him, said, mate, what do you think about your, your, uh, your mate there, Jonah? I said, I don't know about him. He's a bit stubborn. He's in my stomach for three nights and three days. Man, I tell you what, I, I don't know. He's, he's a stubborn fella. I heard him pray to, uh, and by the way, uh, the, uh, the great fish obeyed God's command. When he went to swallow, I mean, what, think, I'm not sure how whales or fish think. I have no idea. But uh, his creator, God, all right, told this, this, this whale to go swallow this fella. All right, and he obeyed. He didn't run. He, he, he went. He went and did it. Now he's got this fellow in his, in his guts, in his stomach, you know, rotting away, uh, turning bleach white from the acid. And he, here's this fish. And we ask him, what do you think about Jonah? And he, he's, uh, I don't know. I came and stomach him. And uh, he's stubborn, you know. And so I, I don't like this guy. I just don't like him. All right, the great fish. Chapter 3, we ask the people of Nineveh. All right, guys, look at Jonah, the preacher, came through. He preached the kingdom. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you think about him, his companions? I think if the people of Nineveh were able to speak to us today, tonight, he would, they would say this. Well, he came as a messenger, as a preacher. He preached repentance, and we did what he said. We turned from our evil ways, and we followed the true God of Israel. Well, I don't understand this guy. I don't understand him because now he's sitting in the outskirts of our town mumbling and murmuring. Shouldn't he be in our town baptizing us and teaching us? Shouldn't he be here guiding us in the ways of God's word? I don't quite understand this fellow, Jonah. We don't, he's a bit of an enigma. I don't understand who he is. He came like a blazing fire, and now he's sitting outside of our, our town limits and whining and crying. And I don't think the people in Nineveh had much good to say about Jonah. Let's call to witness then the last of his companion, the worm. The worm in chapter 4. We know the story. And we'll read chapter 4 here verse by verse in, in a moment. But what, what, what would the worm say about Jonah? What would the worm say about Jonah? I, I think he would say this as we know the story, and we'll read it here in a minute. But, uh, you know, I, I think he would say you know, he's an immature person. Jonah's living by his feelings. He's living by his feelings. He's angry at God because he didn't get what he wanted. He's childish. He has no burden for the lost. He's hoping the city will be destroyed. He, in fact, is very unlike the God that he preaches. Jonah knows the God that he serves, the God that he preaches, is graceful and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. But Jonah's none of that. He's none of that. He's selfish. He's looking inward. 
it's uh, very important that, uh, you know, to help us understand, it's not important to know about God. We have to know God. We have to know God. And uh, Jonah knew a lot, of, a lot about God. So Jonah got A's on his theology exams, but he did not really know God. His prayers were selfish. He, he tried to save his own skin in chapter 2. He's pampered. And so I think the witness of his companions would uh, tip the scales the other way. He's finding his credentials. His companions, not so much. So what are we going to do with Jonah? And here's the crux of the message tonight. Read chapter 4. Let's read chapter 4. And, and by the way, this is my whole point. This is why I believe it needs to start with us. It needs to start with our heart. Start in the inward parts of our being. Because the end of chapter 3 of Jonah, that's a very successful story, is it not? Very successful mission. Yeah, the whole, I mean, guys, what happened? The whole city turned. The whole city of Sydney turned and got saved and repented. There would be a revival starting in Australia. But the, the book doesn't end there. It ends in chapter 4. Very, very crucial chapter. That would be a great prayer letter, too, right? Wouldn't it? <laughs> the whole city turned. But it doesn't end there. Chapter, let's read chapter 4. And this is, we're going to get to the heart of the problem. All right? We're going to get to the heart of the problem here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. Very angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. You know what he's saying? He said, Lord, kill me. Take my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. There's a problem going on here. There's, something, there's an issue here. There's an issue with the worker. Not the work, the worker. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Jonah, do you have a reason to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth. Every time I read that, I think a little spoiled little brat of a kid, you know, stomping his feet, going out the edge of the city, sitting down right here on the edge of the city, folding his arms like this and just pouting. We've all seen that in Sunday school class at school. We've seen that. And think of Jonah, that's what, that's what he's doing. He's pouting. He's complaining. He's, he, he wants the Lord to take his life from him. Till he might see what would become of the city. And those, this, this, is, this is beautiful. This is beautiful because God dealt with Jonah earlier on in this book in large, big ways, in storms, in wind, in waves. Now he deals with Jonah in a very quiet way. Very quiet way. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. <laughs> so we have an emotional roller coaster happening here. All right? He's way down in the dumps. He wants to die. He wants the Lord to take his life from him. Now he's extremely happy. Now he's not glad. He's exceeding glad. All right? And what makes you happy, by the way, tells a lot about your character. And here, Jonah now is very happy. Why is he happy? Not for the souls of the people, but for his own comfort his own comfort. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day. Oh, we had a chat with him earlier. And it smelt the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Here we go again. 
Now on the flip side of that roller coaster ride, they were going down in the dumps again. All right, verse 9. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even to death. I have a good reason to be angry. This gourd, this plant you caused God to grow over me is now not shading me from the hot sun, and I'm sweating. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not doing very well. I'm in a bad mood right now. I want to die again. Notice verse number 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perish in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? This is the only book in the whole Bible that ends in a question mark. Interesting. And we don't know the end of the story. I think I have a good idea what happened, just conjecture. But verse 10 is very interesting. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity or compassion on the gourd. I mean, think about it. Think about it, the uh, silliness of this. And God was revealing to Jonah his own heart. Jonah, you have compassion on a plant. <laughs> I don't know if he's a, a, a tree hugger. I don't know what Jonah was, but he had compassion on a plant. A gourd, a stinking pumpkin. I don't know what you want to call it. He had, a, a stupid plant. <laughs> he loved that plant. <laughs> he loved it. All right? Have you hugged your gourd today? I don't know. Maybe he had a bumper sticker. You know, Jonah, you had pity, compassion, and gourd. You didn't labor for it. I made it to grow. I caused it to die off. And Jonah, where is your compassion for the people of Nineveh? Where is it? Because Jonah, you're thinking too much about your inward hearts. You're thinking about you too much. It's all about you. No, it's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about him. Having compassion on those who need to hear the gospel of truth. So the witness of his creator. So God, what are we going to do about Jonah? What are we going to do with him? Looks like a pretty good missionary. He's got good credentials. He's got uh, his companions, not so much. Lord, what are we going to do with you? What are we going to do with Jonah? And aren't you glad tonight that God is a God of second chances? I don't think any of us would be here if he wasn't. He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth in, in many, many chances. Many chances. And here, here's the whole point of the message tonight. I'll close in the next few moments. I'll give Brother Tom up here. But in chapter 1, Jonah learned of God's providence, that you can't run away from God. Chapter 2, Jonah learned of God's pardon, that God will forgive you. Chapter 3, Jonah learned of God's power. If you obey, God will do something. But Jonah had to learn another lesson. Chapter 4, about God's pity, about having compassion. By having compassion. What did, God, what did God want from Jonah? What does he want from us tonight? In chapter 1, Jonah gave his mind to the Lord. He knew exactly what we needed to do. We know tonight what we need to do. We know the responsibility, the great task ahead. We know what we need to do. We have it in our mind. So did Jonah. Chapter 2 Jonah had it in his will. In verse 9, the Bible says, I will pay that that I have vowed. So God's will was in Jonah's will in chapter 2. In chapter 3, God 
had Jonah's body. The Bible says in in, uh, chapter 3 and verse number 3, so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. All right? So God had his mind, his will, and his body, but God did not have a very important part of him, his heart. He didn't have his heart. And that's what the whole chapter 4 is about. Jonah, your heart is far from me. You know my will in your mind. You know my will in your will. You know my will in your body. But I don't care about those things. I want your heart. I want your heart. And tonight, does the Lord have your heart in regards to missions? Look, we've all been at the place of Jonah. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've been here before, selfishly, living life for me. But let's give the Lord our hearts in regards to this area of missions. Because here's the key. If the heart is right, then the mind will be right. If the heart is right, the will will be right. If the heart is right, the body will be right. So often we're so concerned about getting everything else right but the heart. We're so concerned about being in the right place at the right time, and there's a place for that. We've got to be in the right place at the right time. But our heart is a million miles away. We understand what we need to do logically. We see this, uh, the stats that uh, Pastor gave tonight in the paper and the video, and we understand the enormous job ahead of us, the task. We know what we need to do. But our heart is not there. Our heart is inward. We're looking inward. We need to look Lift up your eyes and look. Not just see, but look. And I close with this verse here tonight, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. Doing the will of God is not knowing it in the mind, it's loving it in the heart. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 6. I think this is where the whole journey begins in our own heart. As we uh, face the enormous task ahead of us, as we start here, outside these back doors, of seven hills and beyond. It starts in our heart. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not doing the will of God from the mind. Not doing the will of God from your will. Not doing the will of God with your body, but with your heart. That's where it starts. Because everything else will follow suit. You don't have to worry about your body being in the right place. You don't have to worry about your will being in the right place, your mind being in the right place, your heart's in the right place. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And before you're too hard on Jonah tonight, have a look inside. I have. I got some work to do. I think so, so do all of us. We got some work to do. It starts in the heart. Again, I believe that God is concerned, yes, with the work, but more concerned about the worker. And, uh, we can take an inward look and say, am I being selfish? Am I being, you know, am I looking inward? I lift up my eyes. Don't look down. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest and look into the harvest. It's a big harvest field. It's huge. The labors are few. With God's help, his strength, we can get it done. We can get it done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for... Your word. We thank you for Jonah. Lived so many, 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 many years ago. And Lord, we just thank you for his, uh, his work and the way he used him, Lord, and gave him second and third and fourth chance. And I believe that Jonah got right. 
We don't have that recorded in Scripture for us tonight, Lord, but I believe Jonah got right. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for him and his work. And I pray, Lord, as we open uh, the doors to new mission fields here, as we send out at the culmination of this conference this weekend, send out several from this church here, I pray your hand and blessing be upon them, Lord, as we expand not only here in this country, Lord, but across the world. We thank you for it. In your name I pray. Amen.